Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the podcast, and I'm sorry that it's been such a long period of time between new episodes. I won't go into details as far as why it's been such a long time, but basically I have big plans for episode 200 that just dragged on and on and on, never really materialized. Then I got really caught up in Doubles Domination 3.0, and then shortly after that, I had bronchitis, we're pretty sure that's what it was, that lasted over three weeks. I'm just getting over that, excuse me, as you can hear. And just within the last couple of days have I been able to start speaking normally again. It's been awful, and I'm so happy to finally be able to start making videos again and put out a new podcast episode as well. And in today's show, I'm going to be talking to Frank Giampaolo, He was a guest just a few shows ago, and he's an expert when it comes to relationships between parents, children, and coaches. And we're going to be covering all kinds of different topics today, ranging from how hands-on or off should parents be as far as pushing their children to, to do tennis and to take lessons and to work hard at it. Also, what should parents be looking for in a coach? Is it a good idea to have multiple coaches for your child? And how involved should parents be in between lessons, trying to help their their kids out, continue to advance? We're going to talk about all those different topics and more. And for those of you that have been waiting for a new episode, I, next the next episode I do, I, I'd really like to do one within the next week or two. And what is today? Today is April sixteenth, Monday. Send me an email with a topic that you would like me to cover on the next episode. And I will use a topic that somebody sends me between now and next Monday, which is April 23rd. So if you're listening to this episode anytime between now and then, send me an email to ian at essentialtennis.com. And I, I want to get a fresh question right in there for the next episode. So I, hopefully this is a, a way of saying thank you to at least one or two people out there that have been waiting patiently for new episodes so send me, send me an email with your topic or with your question. I'll use it on the next episode and really looking forward to hearing from you. So until then, let's go ahead and get to today's interview. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. My guest today on the podcast is Frank Giampaolo. He's an expert in all things having to do with tennis, but more specifically than that, parent and coach relationships, which is something that's a really tricky topic for for me, having taught tennis my entire professional career. I know that there are a lot of sticking points and and just kind of general questions, and Frank used the word uh, confusion having to do with this area as, as we were talking before we started recording, and I think that's a good word for it, Frank, is uh, confusion. There's a lot of inner working kind of dynamics when you get a coach, somebody who is, you know, the the knowledgeable 
person that the the parent and the child are coming to for instruction and then you also have that parent child you know dynamic or relationship and trying to work all three together is uh, can be pretty tricky isn't it it, it sure is um and uh, anyway hi to everybody out there and and, and hi to you and oh, good, yeah. good to talk to you again <laughs> yeah, well, um, actually actually let, let's start with that i'm sorry i i, I meant to no do worries. a little uh intro i, I kind of uh my brain switched right over jumped, into yeah. topic mode there <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so Frank and I did a show a couple months ago. I, I can't remember. I should have gone back and checked which one it was. But Frank told us in, the, in our first uh, episode together, when you start talking, Frank, I'll look it up so I can tell people which episode that was. But but Frank presented the, the top five tennis parent blunders, which was an awesome topic. I had a lot of great feedback on that. And uh, Frank is from TennisParentsBible.com. Um and yeah, Frank, thanks very much for coming back for a second episode. I've got some great questions lined up for you, and I know that my audience can't wait to hear from you again. Well, thanks. Thanks, Ian. I appreciate it. Um, and hopefully we'll try to make a lot of these um, answers relevant to uh, all the club players out there as well. So yeah. we'll try to tie in both. All right. Still in uh, lookup mode here. Let's see. Which, uh, which episode? Oh, here it is. It was um, episode number 198 was a top five tennis parent blunders. So if, if you're listening and you haven't heard that episode and you are a tennis parent, then especially if you enjoy this episode, which I'm sure you will if, if you have a child who's in tennis, uh, definitely check out that episode as well. Um, so Frank, any, anything else before we get into uh, our questions on today's show? No, let's head right in. I'm, I'm ready for it. Okay, so I, I'm going to start off with two questions from listeners, and th- these were taken from... Facebook. Thank you, everybody that participated and, and gave me topic ideas. The The first one I want to ask you, Frank, comes to us from Richard. And I think this is a great place to start. Richard said, how can you get your kids started in tennis without being overbearing and having them hate it? <laughs> what, is, what is your response uh, to that? Well, no, that is, that is a great question for sure. Um, you know, from my side, I think there's getting kids started in, in tennis and the love of the game. And then there's the second side of the coin. It's competitive tennis. And um, so the the first side, getting them started, my opinion, um, children should be um, introduced to the game with private lessons first, group clinics second. Hmm. And, and the reason why I say that is um, I like our players to establish the correct uh, protocols, motor programs, and if you remember, people used to call it muscle memory, but we know there's no memory stored in the muscles. It's all stored in the brain, and you send electrical signals down to the to the stroke. So I, I think it's really meaningful. Do a few private lessons first. Allow your child to get a good groove with their mechanics before they go into groups, because once they go into groups, they're going to go into competitive mode. They want to keep up with their friends, and if they don't have strokes, they're going to develop their own habits. And now you're going to spend a boatload of money trying to break all those habits. Yep. So um, that would be the first step. And I mean, obviously competitive tennis is a whole, is a whole different animal. Um, and that just depends, I think, a little bit on, you know, on how your child is wired and their frustration tolerance, how they handle stress a little bit. So if you like, we can go into that a little bit more. Um, Sure. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about how parents out there listening can tell. Uh, you know, what should they be looking for from their child as far as figuring out 
how much or how little to push or I guess <laughs> most parents would like to feel like they're just encouraging but but I I know it and you know Frank from our years teaching that very often parents take it too far and their child actually ends up not enjoying tennis at all or disliking tennis how can they avoid that well I guess the first thing is um it's a fine line to walk which which we all know cuz almost all of the top nationally ranked players have parents with the same type of personality. I mean, we call it type A personality. You know, the characteristics, um, they're a little bit strong-willed, a little bit overbearing. They're not that patient. They want to be famous, you know, tomorrow. Um, they want the kid to win. Uh, they want to control most lessons and most clinics. So we find that the top-ranked players, they actually do have that type A personality parent. Um, that kind of pushes them through the system. Now, uh, the tough part is educating a type A parent to relax a little bit, to um, work on the art of de-stressing their competitive player as opposed to adding more stress. So that's the toughest part is the de-stressing side. So uh, th that's that's interesting. I, I actually, and just to be... Uh, to give you a little bit of background about my own, you know, uh, teaching in person back when I was uh, at a club, I never really spent a lot of time around like high performance juniors. So it's interesting for me to hear from you that most of those types of players have the overbearing or type A uh, personality parent. Is it, I mean, would you go so far as to say that's actually necessary to have a parent that pushes a child if they are going to be? super successful or is it possible to be a laid back uh, parent and still have a, a high performance tennis player as um, a, a child? Yeah, good question. I, I think it's possible, but not probable. Hmm. I think to, um, to have a high performance player, you need a pretty serious uh, primary tennis parent or, or tennis manager that's going to, um, you know, always Look for, look for ways through the system. Look for better training, better hitters, um, better ways to achieve ranking rankings at an accelerated rate. So we definitely know that they need a primary tennis parent that almost their whole job is to get their child ranked high in the nation. Um, so it definitely is an, an entourage situation. Um, maybe back in the day, a junior tennis player can be in charge of their own, um, I guess, their own tennis career. But I haven't seen that in, in about 20 years, hmm. that a player can be in charge and actually get anywhere, especially a young teenager. So what about, let's switch gears on that a little bit. What about the parent that has a child that uh, enjoys tennis, but the parent, you know, is, is a realist and you know understands that their child doesn't have necessarily a lot of gifts maybe athletically and their child is still you know enjoying it not quite sure how much they want to invest in it at at that point what would you say to that kind of parent who's they know that there there's no like big aspirations there to be a big nationally ranked player or even maybe necessarily play college tennis how much should that kind of parent push their child to continue improving and taking lessons? Uh, I think um, that type of parent is, is 
wise, probably even a little bit more so than some of the other parents. Um, if they can look at tennis as not only a great lifelong hobby, but as a great tool um, to simply educate life lessons. So if you think about even high school tennis or social tennis, these players are, are really getting a great education with time management, being able to adapt and be flexible with their skills, how to handle adversity, handling stress, courage, work ethic, perseverance, goal setting. So the list goes on and on, but that's a, a wonderful idea. If you have a player that they want to be more of a hobbyist, but use tennis as a tool for you know all these problem-solving skills that they're going to need, especially when they go off to college and they're you know they're, they're off to their own devices. So good stuff. Right on. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. I've got a different type of question from Dan. Uh, again, this was from Facebook. And uh, he, he actually gave me a, a big paragraph full of individual questions. And I, I'm basically just going to uh, group them together into one, uh, one question for you. And that is, what should a parent be looking for from a coach when it comes to kids that are just getting started, like a preschool or first grade aged uh, kids? Dan has two kids right around that age. Uh, what should a parent be looking for from a coach as far as the feel of the lesson, uh, what the curriculum is like, you know, balance between just having fun and developing, you know, skills. What should parents be looking for? Well, I think if a, if a parent is just starting out in the game, you know, they're going to look at things like proximity to their house, um, really basic elements for, for a tennis coach, you know, how far do you have to drive for a lesson, what time are clinics, what time are privates, things like that. But now when they get into that competitive game, um, the competitive side of the sport, it's a little bit of a different animal. Um, I do think that different children um, require different styles of coaches. And, and what I mean by that is sometimes in this day and age, coaches specialize. Um, a player might look for a coach that specializes in just primary stroke production. Uh, other coaches might be a little bit more advanced and, and, and they're well-versed in mental and emotional solutions. Um, another parent might have a child that really needs to focus on simple off-court training. You know, the idea that if a junior player is going to win a 64 draw event, they're going to have to play five matches in five days. And sometimes, uh, you know, if they're playing doubles and singles, sometimes that's 20, 24 sets in five days. And so, a great question for parents out there listening is ask your junior player, when was the last time you played 20 sets in five days? Um, and, and if the answer is never, then you might want to look at an off-court trainer as opposed to a, a stroke production you know, coach. Um, I do think that at higher levels, tennis is not really a game of just playing catch with somebody. It's a game of keep away. So having a, a tennis coach that can develop patterns and how to hit on the move. I think that's kind of meaningful. So uh, the, I guess the answer to the question is you got to customize the type of coach and what the coach specializes in. But then also there's also the other side of the coin where there's drill sergeant coaches, there's fun loving coaches, and um, you might need a different personality style coach at different times for the same child whereas they might need a drill sergeant for a while 
if they feel a little bit like they're being uh, too overbearing and they need to relax some, they might need to shift to a, a different personality style coach, maybe a kind, fun-loving coach. So I would look into that too as well. And are those are those all variables that parents should be taking into account and paying attention to even for like a four or five or, or six-year-old just getting started? Well, I think at the younger age, I think the fun-loving coach is probably um, in everybody's best interest. Mm-hmm. And um, we know that getting a youngster to love the sport is the first step. Um, so a, a great coach that can teach solid basics, solid fundamentals, and have a ton of fun, uh, that would definitely be my goal. And, and and for the parents out there, I highly recommend calling different programs, um, asking what time they offer lessons and clinics, and then secretly go to the club and observe the lessons and clinics. Don't do not tell them that you're coming, because <laughs> they'll they'll give the dog and pony show. So just sneak out, show up, hang out, sit back, and you can tell within ten minutes if this coach can really teach you a ton or if it's a waste of your money Absolutely. and then you can just quietly sneak away. So I could not, I advice. could not agree more with you on that. It's, yeah. you know, as, as, as much as tennis pros in the industry would, would like to um, deny it. There's for most pros and for most clinics and most programs, there's definitely a very different feel to everything when everybody knows that parents are watching and that's, you know, kind of unfortunate, but uh, just kind of the way it is, right? Yeah, no, I think so too. And I mean, like any business, like any sales and marketing side of a business, um, everybody wants to put their best foot forward, but yeah. um, I would rather have the parents see reality, you know? Absolutely. So. All right. Well, I've got a couple of, a couple more questions now that, that are from me, that things that, uh, topics that I, I was really curious to, to hear your, your input on. First of all, what are your thoughts on, I, and I, I've kind of had my own opinion on this uh, over the years, and it's changed a little bit, but what are your thoughts on parents that take their child, and, and maybe maybe this is a child that isn't so much a high performer, or, or maybe it is, and maybe you could speak to both uh, situations, but what are your thoughts on the parent taking the child to multiple pros to get different different angles or different perspectives or different looks from different pros. And, um, yeah, you, you get the idea. What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I do. And I, and just like you, I've kind of, I've changed my opinion too throughout, throughout the years with that. Um, um, here's my take right now is that hire a pro, um, one pro per job description. So if your child or even, even a, a club player, if you're having trouble with your serve, if you're turning your palm up or your ball toss is going astray, you don't want multiple pros teaching you how to serve at the same time because it's going to be frustrating and very confusing. Um, also, there's a lot of ego with teaching pros, as <laughs> some of us have, uh, have known. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's, it's big if you have one coach that's teaching primary stroke production, that's great. But then you can also have another coach that works on different elements. Um, all your proactive patterns, like serve patterns, return patterns, rally patterns. Another pro can tackle that at the same time, and that's terrific. Um, another pro can work on the emotional side of 
how to close out five, two leads, how to handle cheaters, how to beat moon ball pushers. Um, that's fine too. Um, but yeah, I do see a lot of, I see problems when you have two, two pros battling to try to put their unique stamp on a player's serve at the same time. Yeah. That could be a waste of time and money. So in your opinion, would it be ideal to just have one pro to, to cover everything? Or is that not realistic to, to think that you're going to find one pro who's really good at teaching all of those different elements of being successful? There are pros that can do that. Um, not too many of them can, though. I think the best, the best coaches do tend to understand their strengths and weaknesses and and they're I guess mature enough to send the players off to an expert. Um, so from my side, for example, I'm I'm pitiful at off court training. I mean, I I can do medicine balls and things like that, but I definitely send all my players to an expert for that side of of training. And and I think occasionally there are coaches that can do it all, um, but um, probably the best coaches do specialize a little bit. So um, uh, from my side, we, we just specialize with the mental and the emotional sides. Here in Southern California, where, where I, I, I have a club, there's probably 3,000 teaching pros within a two-and-a-half-hour drive radius. So 3,000 pros and probably 2,900 of them teach stroke mechanics only. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's plenty of guys that do that. There's not a lot of off-court trainers that do tennis specific a lot here. So, um it depends on where you're from, don't you? I mean, some of the smaller towns across the country, you might only get one tennis expert in the whole city. So you, you, you may be stuck with the one, you know, the one expert. So for the, the, for the parents that do have a choice and do have a wide range of uh, pros that, you know, maybe are kind of whispering in their ear about what each individual pro thinks is best and, uh, you know, you need to spend more time with me and don't listen to that guy because he doesn't know what he's talking about with, with this. And, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that he told Junior to, to do that. You know, that's terrible. How, yeah. how is a parent supposed to make sense of all that, especially maybe if they aren't very well-versed themselves in, in tennis? Well, um, good point. And <clears throat> would you see that same issue here in, in Southern California? I think a, the first side is, are there, is, is their child truly getting the results that they deeply believe they deserve? And if they are getting great results, they should stick to the program that they're on. Um, if they, on the other side, if they totally feel like they're not getting any results and they're spending you know, a lot of time on the court, a lot of time with the coach, but the results are not coming at all, it's probably in their best interest to, to look elsewhere. Um, but I do, uh, my personal opinion is um, be careful of tennis pros that are out there at tournaments recruiting all the time. Sometimes there are academy recruiters and their whole job is to get everybody to come to their academy and they give every player, every single player at the academy is on scholarship. So, and what I mean by that is, you know, they get a little discount off the rate, but everybody gets the same discount. Everybody gets a discount. <laughs> so they're just bringing kids in. 
Um, often, though, those same recruiting coaches are not the coaches that are teaching and developing the best players. They recruit them after somebody else actually got them good. So from the parent side, free is not always better. And um, I think that's really meaningful because we've seen probably a thousand kids um, ruin their whole career by being uh, being taught by a great expert coach. They get to be top whatever fifty in the nation, and then an academy offers them a free scholarship. So now they go to the academy instead of practicing the exact way that got them all that success. Now they're just rallying cross court back and forth to each other, then down the line to each other. Then they rally cross court the other way for a bit. And, and what happens is with these you know kids that are going there for free, often the tennis academy directors have them play the lower level kids that are paying. Sure. And so after a while, these same kids that totally had a chance at, you know, being top 10 in the nation. Now they're down to top 150 in the nation. And now they want to quit because, that I have it, but the parents save some money. So parents, you have to look at that side of the coin is sometimes you're going to definitely get what you pay for. Hmm. So that's my take on that. Good stuff. Just a, just one or two more questions here, Frank. Sure. Um, let's see, what do we want to go with next? Um, oh, here we go. How, how involved do you think tennis parents should be throughout the lesson process? And what I mean by that is actually during lessons is it is it okay for the parent to be sitting there on the courts taking notes maybe talking to the coach How, should they not be around at all should they let the coach and the the player you know totally have their own time together what are your thoughts yeah. on that well the first step is it depends on the personality of the parent some parents can sit there quietly and read a book and not say a word and then other parents have their knuckles through the fence you know, yelling at their child, right? Every other ball they oh, yeah. hit. Yeah, I've, I've definitely <laughs> seen that. <laughs> That's um, uh, Here's what I recommend that with our parents. Um, when the players come back from a tournament or any competition, I ask the parents to email the coach the night before to give their take on the match because um, definitely it, it helps avoid this big confrontation during the child's lesson time. So, and you've seen it before too, parents come on the court and they go, here's how my kid blew it. And then they spend 25 minutes out of their kid's hour lesson telling the coach you know, how bad their kid was. And obviously the kid is so distraught, even though they only get a half hour left to hit, they can't hit a ball on the strings because the parents unknowingly sabotage that whole lesson. Um, you know, then they drive home and they go, you know, we didn't get a lot out of that lesson today. I don't know <laughs> why, but man, the parents just blew it big time. So uh, parents out there, don't go to the lesson and vent for 20 minutes, half hour. Email the coach the day before that these are the things, these are the topics or the issues. Can you, can you stress these points or work on these things with my child? Um, parents that are a little bit emotional, um, I recommend that they do – have a lesson videotaped if they need to see it and then they can watch it later. So we have some parents that, you know, we ask them to do that. They set up their video camera 
for the lesson, but then they leave. Uh, later on, they can review the whole lesson program you know, via videotape. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it depends a little bit on the, the parent's personality. And uh, um, parents should remember, too, that there's a very important issue called channel capacity and that the human brain can't solve two complicated tasks at the same time. And so what I mean by that is if the coach is trying to get the player to maybe lower the ball toss, but then the coach is, or the, the parent is yelling from the side, hey, what about his left arm? He's not tucking his left hand and, and his knees aren't bending. And yeah. well, the, the parent is again, unknowingly sabotaging because the poor kid can't fix three things at once. So is a, so, is a good general rule of thumb less is more for the parents during lessons? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's, a, it's a great rule. Less is more, right on. All right. Last question before uh, we wrap up today's talk. Uh, really good stuff today, Frank. Sh- should parents attempt to supplement lessons? You know, some families have more money to spend than others on, on, on getting continual instruction. Is it a good idea for parents to, to try to supplement lessons on the side by maybe going out hitting with their kid or, or trying to, um, you know, go over the same topics or, um, you know, try, try to build on top of whatever the, the pro was doing within their, their child's last lesson, or should they just totally leave it up to the pro? No, I think it's a, not to borrow from your title, but I think it's essential. It's, it's huge that parents do that. Um, so I a hundred percent agree that parents should, but again, talk to the coach have the coach give them two or three, you know, homework assignments. Um, that way it's clear that they're doing things, you know, c- correctly. Um, but yeah, um, parents that think they're going to send their child off to two or three hours of lessons a week, and then the child's going to be famous. Um, they're, they're mistaken. Uh, it's definitely an entourage and that the parents, yeah, even if it's underhand tossing, um, drills, getting the child to learn how to back up for high defensive balls or move in for short balls. There's just a thousand uh, variations of drills, even on-court drills, that any parent can do. You don't even need to be able to hit a ball. Um, but I definitely would talk to the coach first, put a plan together. Um, and, and parents, by the way, coaches love it. When you're supplementing, I think coaches really, really – really appreciate it that you're out there working with your, with your child. Um, so that's, that's essential. Yeah, they have to get involved a little bit. Um, uh, and if they, if they don't have the, the personality to do it or the time to do it, um, or if they're not even willing to do it and probably that kid's not going to make it to the top, you know, high performance level anyway, because parents, like I said earlier, they need that um, kind of type A personality where it's really the parent's dream just as much as it is the uh, the child's dream. If you're talking about, you know, super high level. But anyway, um, interesting that all these all these same questions are are questions in the Tennis Parent Bible. So listeners out there, if you do want to go a little bit deeper, um, you can just go to TennisParentBible.com and and there's you know the free table of contents, and there's also tennisparentsolutions.com, where um, 
I think we have like 26,000 positive comments on that site. It's just a free blog site, and it's all free information for tennis parents. So, um, you know, all the essential tennis listeners, you can get some free information right there. So I hope it helps. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sure it will, Frank. So definitely go check out those two websites, everybody, if you like what Frank is, uh, is telling you. And Frank, I want to thank you for your time today, uh, coming back on the show again and, and answering these questions. I know it's going to be a huge help to all the, the tennis parents out there listening. So I appreciate it. I know that they do as well. And hopefully we'll have you back on the show again in the near future. All right. Thanks, Ian. Take care. Bye, everybody. All right, that does it for episode number 201 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, no matter when or where you happen to be. Really appreciate having you as a listener. And as always, it's truly my hope that the information that you received in today's episode is going to be helpful to you in, in some way, shape, or form. Speaking of which, if you have a topic that you would like me to feature on the show and actually answer your question, send that to me. Send that to ian at essentialtennis.com. That's I-A-N at essentialtennis.com. If you send that to me before the 23rd of April, then yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not sure how many I'm going to get, how many requests I'm going to get, but I will do my best to fit your question in to the very next episode. I promise I'll use at least one question that I, that I receive for the next episode that I release of the podcast. So I'm looking forward to that very much. Again, my apologies to all of you that have been patiently waiting for new episodes of the show. Thank you so much for all the emails that some of you have, have sent uh, saying that you missed the show, wondering where, where it is, etc., etc. And uh, I'm really happy to be speaking into this uh, microphone again. I, I really do enjoy doing the show. So looking forward to the next one. Until then... Take care and good luck with your tennis.